everyone. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate, owner and founder of Be There in Five, the company, host of the Be There in Five podcast, and um, co-hosted by no one. Because apparently I, I just like to hear myself talk. No, I'm just kidding. That's actually not true. I really don't. I've never... It's really been the most wild experience. This is episode 29. That means for over... 30 hours I have talked to myself and there's no other format that it would be remotely okay to talk to oneself without being interrupted for this long. And it's a fascinating thing where I I just, I I didn't even know what was in my brain. I am accessing parts of the depths of my mind, of memories, of life experiences that like honestly might've gotten buried had I not had a reason to tap into the resource. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful for people caring what's in this brain of mine. I guess I do have a co-host right now. Her name is Donna Lewis. She has the voice of an angel, the career of a two-hit wonder. One hit I'll play later. Oh, wait, I want you to enjoy this part. Hold on one second. Sometimes I feel bad when I don't play the full song and then you don't get to hear the best part. And that, that, that to me is the best part. It's uh, Donna Lewis coming in hot with the indefinite pronouns, adverbs, and terms that just mean anything generic. I mean, say you'll never something forever, never stop, not for whatever, near, far, always, everywhere, everything. It's like, it's a schoolhouse rock of... Uh, you know, adverbs and pronouns that mean the most generic things possible. Good for Donna Lewis. She was she was a '90s bubblegum siren, really. Her voice is 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 magical, and I wonder where she is today. And I would look that up, but I know if I do that, it's gonna send me into a rabbit hole of like a million other things I don't even need to be talking about today. <laughs> um, it's funny. I, I over the weekend I made a Spotify playlist of like the intro and exit songs. And it's funny because at the time they're like on theme or something I like or listen to or want to remind people of, and then, in, you know, in isolation, they're palatable. But then I look at this playlist and it's like a who's who of a person that just doesn't get out much or lives in, in you know, in between 95 and 2006. It's like uh, now that's what I call bad taste. Maybe now that's what I call staying in. Now that's what I call read a book. It's like, well, I, I wish I had interests that or like, I just wish my brain retained different types of information because uh, no such detail of things that happened 20 years ago of that are of no importance. Like, I wish I remembered the plot of uh, like Heart of Darkness or Wuthering Heights. But instead, I, you know, know all the lyrics to Aaron's party parentheses. Come get it. So what have I been up to? Well, I literally just opened a box that came in the mail and it's a bridesmaid's dress I'm wearing in a wedding next month. And it's from Beholden, which is a great company and I've had good experiences there. And last week I went to go just try it on for size. Cause you know how bridesmaid's dresses are like the greatest scam in the history of America. And they lie about sizes and try to get like alterations and you go in like feeling yourself and then all of a sudden they take your measurements and they're like, oh, sorry, you're like actually off the charts big. And like, we need to custom make this for you. And you're like, what are you talking about? I asked for a readily available dress size 
why are you making me feel that on purpose? This is so not important, but maybe you guys can relate. Um, I go there. I put on the size that they have. They have a couple sample sizes, not sample size, but like samples of sizes. It fits me perfectly, like off the rack. I'm good. And then the lady's like, oh, no, that dress gets tried on so much. Like, it's probably really stretched out. So let me measure you and then tell you what size to give. I was like, okay, fine. This dress has like no give. It's it's not it's not a thing that would really bag out like a structured dress. We all know you can't squeeze yourself and stretch a dress. I mean, if you could, I would have actively been buying things that I had no business wearing for years, but I can't because they don't zip. Um, and I know because I will doctor zippers. I will pretend a, if I can't zip something up the back and it's on clearance and it's too small, I'll, I'll pretend it, it's like a V-neck back and like hand stitch it to alter the back. Like that's how desperate I am for a sale. Um, but anyway, so she measures me and she was like, oh yeah, you're like, um, a size a million and you need to order this size. And I was like, but I just tried the dress on in this size and it's fine. Like, can I just order that? And it was like four sizes above the one I was wearing. And I was like, I really don't think so. And she said, okay, well, you know, it's up to you. It's just, this is probably really stretched out. And I'm just like looking out for you. And I was like, I would rather lose weight than pay for your alterations. And she laughed and I was like, I'm being completely serious. Like I, if, if you really think this is a problem, like, I don't know, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll try and cut down on the, the margaritas and the Lunchables. I'm not giving you more money for alterations. Like I just, I'm, I'm not going to give into this scheme. And, um, you know, things were a little tense. We compromised. I ordered like one size up and, uh, of course I just get it and it's too big. I knew it would be, I'm not getting it altered. I am just going to be like boho loose chic. Um, and it's not like it's that big or anything. It's kind of like a looser style anyway. But like, what, what's with that? Why, why do they think that suddenly, I, I don't know. Are they really making that money off alterations? And also, I wouldn't do it at the store. I know they say, oh, you're at risk of ruining the fabric. Not everybody can handle chiffon. I'm like, yeah, no, actually, everybody can and will. And I am going to get this done at the cheapest place. I get a quote like under the train tracks. I, I ugh, it's just very frustrating. I, I, I trust your gut, ladies. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know why I let salespeople talk me into stuff. It, it's like the book Freakonomics. Everything comes down to incentives. And anytime you're being coerced or sold on something, you have to take a step back and think, is this person's incentive actually to benefit me? Like, does this person actually care about my dress fitting? Or do they care about getting, you know, the commission on both the dress and some potential alterations when the dress comes in? And it is the latter, you know? So anyway, I guess I was talking about Donna Lewis. And I hope that, like, here's the thing with um, throwback songs. is I never want to uh, feed into a cliched item of nostalgia because like I kind of hate when people put on tub thumping I feel like most people remember Chumbawamba and it's brought up to them at least a couple times a year but like if you want to if you really want to go niche go like OMD how bizarre yeah now that song sucks though so maybe that's why people don't really play that that often um uh, Meryl Bainbridge mouth that's an obscure song that I'm sure a small part of the room would be really jazzed about though everybody else would leave because it would really kill the vibe but i guess i just appreciate like i love to be stumped i love to be like 
oh my God, I actually forgot about that. And I feel like there's not a lot of stuff I've forgotten about. But I guess I'm not everybody and nobody's probably spent as much time as I did, you know, taping songs on my cassette tape when the top 40 was on. And like, can you imagine the pressure of being an adult before, you know, oh, I was going to say streaming, but I guess like mixtapes even started like before we all got on LimeWire and Napster and BearShare and stuff. Because if you had company over, like when I have company over now, I play a playlist that sounds like something a cool person would listen to. You know, something about like, you know, light snack group hang, you know, easy, easy, uh, easy outside tunes. Uh, Those aren't cool. (laughs) My husband has a playlist called light snack group hang and i think it's like the funniest thing i've ever heard because he names playlists very specifically to like too specifically to their context like it, it, what you're doing the type of people you're with if you're indoors or outdoors and generally like the type of food or drink spread that's there um i think he has one that's like evening company light conversation and apps and I'm like, what if the conversation turns heavy? And he's like, oh, I'd have to change the playlist to Deep Tuck's Red Wine Post Dinner. And I'm like, OK, well, <laughs> there we go. I, uh, I appreciate I appreciate the level of detail. I really do. But I what I mean is I, I put on a, a playlist somebody else makes with artists that I don't actually listen to that make me sound so interesting, so indie, so diversified in my music taste. I would never play my random shuffle. Random shuffle is bearing your soul. That is humiliating. I'm random shuffling on my iPhone right now. First song, Baby, Justin Bieber. Not bad. Second song, Jai Ho from Slum Talk Millionaire <laughs> featuring Nicole Scherzinger. You don't go to a dinner party and listen to Jai Ho. Hide and Seek, Imogen Heap, Starships, Nicki Minaj, old top 40 song. Don't want to listen to it anymore. Uh... Something from now, that's what I call Christmas. That's embarrassing that I own that. Taylor Swift, obviously. Bulletproof, LaRue. Like, these are, these are just like old songs I've downloaded years ago that are still under my name that nobody wants to hear. Um, oh, except for Wrecking Ball. I do love that song. Anyway, you get, you, you get the gist. Um, but if you only had your recorded cassette tapes, if you only had a collection of CDs that were for singular artists then like you'd have to a have that six cd rotator and b you'd have to be listening to the same people all the time that puts a ton of pressure on who you're playing and whose cds you actually spent like you know 12 to 15 dollars on it's just a lot of pressure that i would not be able to handle this day and age because i'm not going to spend my money on uh artists that i don't like but i'll stream them you know what i mean it's it, it must have been stressful and i guess that's why those mail order um, uh, like compilations were so popular. Your monster ballads, your pure moods. I, I I did an Instagram story about this because this that commercial is so sensory to me. It blows my mind. I'm I'm just gonna play the beginning. I, I feel like I don't know if everybody. It, it's one of those things where I don't want to be redundant. But then I have like favorite things that I feel like are worth bringing up again. And I this is so this transports me. This takes me to a place where I am underneath the cold blue light of a direct response screen telling me to dial 1-800 for four small payments of $39.95 while I'm raging against bedtime and watching Snick or watching, what's it called? The, what's the vintage Nick channel? Nick at Night, watching The Wonder Years, 
I, I, I remember trying to be like, be cool, pretend you're asleep. You're not here. The TV's not on. And then freaking Enigma would come on my screen and blow my cover. And this is what you would hear. Imagine a world where time drifts slowly. A world where music carries you away. Experience pure moods, the perfect soundtrack for your way of life. Direct from Europe, this multi-platinum collection has one... Direct from Europe, because Americans think anything from Europe is classy. What? No, these artists aren't all even European. I I honestly could do an entire episode on the Pure Mood soundtrack commercial. That's how obsessed with it I am. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I hope that takes some of you guys back. I mean, there, there's nothing more 90s in the video. It's like, it looks like Kanye's Bound 2 video. It's just like, you know, eagles flying and mountains and unicorns. And like, the unicorn is so fake. You can, if you look at closely the commercial his horn flops which is like the funny it's like a it's like it's just so cheesy and so bad and the way it's presented is so earnest and it ends with the x-files theme which it was kind of a weird transition in comparison to like the reverberated female voices and i i i the chanting that haunted my dreams i i just felt it really freaked me out at night and i felt like i walked away from that commercial feeling like i accidentally took place in a pagan ritual and i i don't know pure moods to me is just it is like the perfect 90s example but alas many of you won't remember that and they'll be like please move on so i'm i'm gonna move on but my point of this entire thing that i don't i'm trying to backtrack as i'm talking to you right now is that uh i was talking about oh not wanting to pick uh cliche songs donna lewis is not is hopefully not overdone in your world, she sings a song that I feel like is lesser known and less uh, is more underappreciated that I think I'm going to play at the end. Um, but, you know, her and uh, Sophie B. Hawkins, she's often very confused by Sophie B. Hawkins saying, as I lay me down, which you might think was Donna Lewis. That's the song that's like, it felt like springtime on this February morning in the courtyard. Birds were banana. I'm not going to go that high for you. But there, there's a lot of 90s female one, two hit wonders that uh, I am a huge fan of. Lisa Loeb. I'm very partial to stay over I do or um, a big, big girl in a big, big world. Billy Myers, Kiss the Rain, uh, Suzanne Vega, Tom's Diner. I mean, these songs are important and kind of adult contemporary Rocky. So you might not have been as aware of them in the 90s, but I suggest you go back. Anyway, I, I guarantee you there's going to be some elite daily board panda upworthy viral Nova. One of those article that's like 25 things we loved about pure moods. If number 23 doesn't kill you first. And then I'm going to be like, what? That doesn't make sense. It's, it's clickbait. But also I just talked about that and I know it's not mine and it's not original, but I really try to bring up stuff that I think people forgot about. And then I'll just see it or bring up stuff that I don't feel like is talked about at great length i talk about topics that perhaps are popular but i try to take it a new angle and maybe you disagree but i for example i noticed that 
and I and again, I think this is a coincidence, but the New Yorker, like a very esteemed literary magazine, a couple well, a couple days ago, maybe last week, came out with an article that was just about how annoying it is when recipe blogs have too much copy before you get to the ingredients and directions. And I was like, oh my God, I could, what? I, I could have had a byline in the New Yorker for this passing comment I made. Cause like, I agree I, I, wholeheartedly. And I d- don't think this girl listens to my podcast. I just mean, sometimes I don't realize that the smallest of thing could be the greatest of headline. And I get frustrated when I thought of it and I see somebody else do it. And really, that's my own fault that I'm not pitching every passing thought I have to the New Yorker, I guess. But uh, anywho, I, I I just hate when those websites like post something we all obviously remember, but then it has like five million views and just feels cheap. It's like, yeah, you know, people love this and remember this. Like, it'll be like, oh, you guys, you guys remember Lisa Frank? That was wild. Like, what a throwback. Forgot about this. And I'm like, how, how, how would anybody forget about Lisa Frank? You could not have a louder set of patterns and designs. It, the, she, she, she used every single color of the rainbow and then some it, in every neon spectrum of the rainbow. And it's just not super commonplace to have all of your items covered in snow leopards that are best friends with the beluga whale that is hopping over a rainbow that lands in a bucket of puppies, one wearing eyeglasses that are likely, you know, look like they're from a Steinmart at near the checkout. And next to them are two kittens and one is in a Converse shoe and they're eating an adorable thing of ice cream while a rainbow cockatoo looks at them from above in a palm tree next to a pond of multicolored lily pads and a turtle with a knowing smile. I, I just, the, these designs are very complicated in nature and if you, you know, in the 90s during back to school weren't running into Walmart or if you're super rich staples and picking out the hottest animal landscape biome design of Lisa Frank or Folder, or if you're rich, a trapper keeper, then you weren't a child of the 90s. I, I don't see how people could have forgotten Lisa Frank. And maybe I'm being nostalgia pretentious here, but she was my Halloween costume last year and... uh I do feel like I see her stuff kind of everywhere still, but whatever. They can get their clicks. They can get their hits. I'm, I'm a little bit bitter. I'm just, I feel like there's so much regurgitated or pandering content that gets millions and millions of views and people make so much money off of it. And it just doesn't, it just is like not, I don't know. It, it feels cheap. Think of something original. Think of something that isn't being said, but that's not the name of the game now, is it? Case in point, I posted on Instagram today, this girl named McKenna, guys, guys, she's 13. She has like an ASMR empire. And I talked about ASMR several weeks ago on this podcast and explained more about it and how it's, it's actually not inherently fetishy. It's like whispering into a binaural mic for people that get chill bumps down their spine uh, from audible sensations, like certain like uh, chewing and smacking and whispering noises. I guess soothe some people to sleep. Uh, that, that is is not my favorite, and I've tried to do it, but it's it's a lot of weird role playing, right? So then I find this thirteen year old doing this. She has seven million views on a video of her eating honeycomb, and it's like, uh, uh, what what is she in the headline? It says something weird about mouth noises. I have like the heeb jeebs. I I where are her parents? What is she doing? And then I watched another video where she was like doing a Q&A and eating snacks. And then it was like 
so creepily youthful. She's like, hey guys, um, I'm going to be drinking a Capri Sun. Oh wait, it's a, it's a Kool-Aid. <laughs> what do you guys like better, Capri Suns or Kool-Aid? I'm like, the people watching this are a bunch of men over 45. They are drinking a can of natural light. And the only Kool-Aid they drink is that of all of the other creeps that watch shit like this on Reddit and 4chan. Because it's like, she's so young and it's so weird to watch somebody like have this on-camera presence and speak to people like they're a, you know, a 30-year-old beauty vlogger. And she's like, my lip gloss is from Ross Dress for Less. And then I got the liner at Charming Charlie's and like, it's like stores. I mean, oh guys, it, it really freaked me out and I'm not over it. But that said, this girl's probably making bank. And the fact that hundreds of thousands of people want to watch this young girl drink Capri Suns and answer questions very specific to, you know, middle school. I'm like, what's happened? Like, if that's what I need to do, I'll do it. And then there's these videos called mukbangs, mukbags. I don't know. And like, it's just a person eating a ton of food into their microphone, like full on mouth noises. And then they like talk about the food. Like there's videos with millions of views of this one girl, just like she orders two pizzas and eats them on camera. And I'm like, is this some sort of sick, like eating disorder, like uh, vicarious binge eating fetish? Like, who? I, I honestly, the world, the world is a terrifying place. It really is. It's terrifying because these people have the balls to film themselves doing weird things. Assuming there's an audience, because, you know, I like the first time I ever talked on my Instagram stories about like, I don't know, the Kardashians or Taylor Swift or whatever. Like, it's really awkward when you first start talking to yourself on Instagram and your friends and family like, hey, you doing OK in there? Like, why are you talking to your phone yourself? You're these strangers. Can you imagine being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drop everything and just make YouTube videos of me eating Crunchwrap Supremes? You'd be like, no. And then the other creepy part is that if you build it, they will come. And OK. Bad, bad metaphor. It's just a world that I'm equal parts concerned by and envious of. It's like the kid that pulls in $11 million, like unboxing toys. It is, that frustrates me to no end. The, the rampant consumerism. I, the, I don't know. There's such a fine line these days, you know? It, okay, okay, you know who frustrates me to no end? This might not be popular. But it, it's, it's Margarita Monday up, up in here. I'm just kidding. I've had two sips. It's very weak. Tugboat did take a full lick of salt, and I don't think he's recovered. He was like, whoa. Now, my dog literally tries to eat other dogs' feces, and he thinks that my margaritas are a little too salty on the rim. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, the, the one child internet star that I think is so absurd is Mila, this little girl who I think her mom forces her to sit down for like full 10 hour work days and say enough words in the English language that later in post, she can like chop them up into something like semi funny that gets like millions and millions of views. And that I don't know, it's like you get as one, you know, offhanded, charming YouTube video. Great. It lands great. Go on, Ellen, live your best life. I don't know, maybe sell a t-shirt or two. 
to create this career from your kid who's a so reliant on their cuteness b might not not always feel like doing this like consented on, on camera i don't think is very real when you like can't tie your shoes yet there should there should just be like a baseline like requirement like if you can't take yourself to the bathroom tie your shoes if you still have railings on your bed you are too young to be a youtube star like let's just let kids be kids but it just it's so obvious that it's scripted and she chops it and it's like it gets old and here's the thing it's like yes it's scripted but the scripts are funny and i give her credit for that i think something just bothers me about seeing how many cuts there are and just knowing how many takes that must have taken and like the poor kid probably just wants to uh, you know watch paw patrol or something I don't know, guys. Moral of the story, people often say they want me to talk more about business advice on this podcast. And while I think I can start and brand and launch a hell of a business, sometimes I feel ill-equipped to tell you the full story, seeing as I think and I hope I'm like chapter two or three. I, I really... I I'll, I'm going to go into it eventually. I've like dabbled in recording my own how I built this because Guy Raz won't respond to me. But uh, if I could leave you with one business tip for this episode, it's don't do what you love. Do what gets you likes. I, I, that is how you monetize these days. Like, I, I don't know if these people want to be eating snacks on camera, but it pays the bills and it's low effort. And then they can use their spare time and large amounts of funding to do other more important things. I think that's what I didn't get when I, uh, you know, started on this entrepreneurial venture. It's that so oftentimes you need intermediary things to fund the things you actually want to do because the things you actually want to do are inevitably going to be a bit riskier that's why they're fun and interesting and challenging and why you want them but you know when you have a tiny adorable part shih tzu mouth to feed everything really just becomes different you know but anyway yeah yeah mckenna the red-headed youtube star really just both set me down a rabbit hole and sent me off the deep end, I suppose. I, d I mean, I live for an internet rabbit hole. Don't get me wrong. I should have a segment every week where I, I feature one of my favorite internet rabbit holes. There's um, in, uh, The Cut, which I believe is part of the New York Times. They have a section that's seldom updated, but when it is, I love it, called Niche Drama. And that is my favorite type of drama. I love niche groups and the obsessiveness within the niche group and the drama like, oh, you're on a competitive Irish dance team. Tell me everything like you're a diehard costume designer for Burning Man and you're furious that somebody else is making the same rhinestone studded bunny gas mask for people to wear with their nipple tassels and strange pelts. Uh, I, I must know. Are you a collector of of rare Chuck E. Cheese animatronic characters that played in that weird band where they aggressively blinked at you while you ate pizzas? Oh, alert the presses. I, I, I need to know it all. And this week on Niche Drama, it was about Freely the Banana Girl, who is an Australian YouTuber that famously went on a 51 banana a day diet, much like. I don't know. Diddy Kong? <laughs> I, like, well, that's a lot of banana. A lot of banana peels. But she attacked Kayla Itzinez from uh, BBG fame 
Bikini Body Guide, I believe, uh, and Sweat with Kayla app, which I have tried. Kayla, her whole program is based on a 1,600-calorie-a-day diet with a pretty intense workout. Freely had some commentary about, you know, her feelings on the therm- those thermodynamics and um, the the energy burn versus calories consumed and her concern with Kayla not being like a nutritionist. And what's kind of interesting about they settled out of court. I don't really know what happened. What's interesting about um, like YouTube or like, you know, social media fitness stars it is it is kind of interesting that they are seldom uh, technically qualified to be telling you what to eat. I mean, Kayla is not like a registered dietitian. She's she's not a, a board certified nutritionist. She just is a she's a personal training cert- certification, which is great. And it makes her qualified for all the exercise. But I think that some people took issue with the meal plans. Um, but like it's not rocket science, you know, eat clean, work out a lot. You, you'll probably lose some weight. But Freely the Banana Girl really went off on Kayla. Anyways, this was this was not the niche drama from this week. That is why I have heard of Freely the Banana Girl before. And do you want me to say Freely the Banana Girl one more time? Um, and this week she got herself into hot water because she like has been telling everybody that she's been living off the grid and is like living under a tent or a shed for many months through monsoons and gale force winds. She has nothing and she's in this minimalist thing. But then we'll like randomly pop up and post like a gorgeous nude but covered, you know, Instagram photo laying on a palm tree. And it's like, who's taking this photo in isolation? You say you don't have your phone. Like what's going on? And people think she's lying. And then there's rumors that she... um it's been living in a mansion with her personal photographer and pretending to be off the grid, which is awesome. I don't know. I, I love stories like this. Like there a few weeks ago, there was, you know, a major headline on niche drama that uh, the main lobster festival sea goddess drama had escalated. And uh, rumor has it she was burning all of her lobster festival shirts, which we all know is like cause for alarm. And I had to know everything. I, I I live for this type of situation. What can I say? Um, that's probably why I like blogger drama. I mean, there's so much drama going on right now with Laura Lee and Manny and Jeffree Star. They post a video like shading Jeffree Star for his like racist past on video. And then like all these racist tweets from Laura Lee are uncovered. And she posts a video of a half-assed apology where she's trying so hard to cry that she like borderline sneezes or spits. It's like, She's trying to force liquid out of her face and it's just it's not happening. It really is just the weirdest thing. And her so her sub- subscriber count plummets and like kind of goes back up and people think she might have bought subscribers. I, I guess it was a big deal that she recently hit five million. So then this guy that reports on beauty, YouTube beauty guru gossip on his YouTube channel, his name's John. I've talked about him before. He's he's a character. He has a live YouTube feed of follower counts of Jeffree Star and Laura Lee. And you're what you, it's the, basically the intention is to watch to see if her followers like go up in like huge increments to assume she's buying followers and to show hers like in general overall going down and Jeffree's going up. What's so crazy to me is I don't know. Like, so Jeffree was caught a few years ago 
you know, with horrendously racist videos and people like, you know, brands backed out of deals with him. Like it was a big, big deal. So I guess I, but like, yeah, he still has 10 million subscribers and now people are like team Jeffree Star. And I'm like, what's, what's the difference in the crime here? Because you both did the same thing yet. Just more time has passed for Jeffrey. And then he's tweeting or Snapchatting or something being like, um, when somebody tries to take down your career, but accidentally destroys their own. And in like reference to Laura Lee, and they used to be friends. I think his uh, manufacturing company used to manufacture her line. And anyway, I don't know. It's just, it's this weird thing where, I mean, theoretically, if a person is racist or xenophobic or extremely prejudiced or hateful to any sort of group, you would, I, I assume the end goal or like the best case scenario would be changing their mind. I know that's very difficult, but uh, like Jeffrey's stance is kind of like I've evolved. I've had so much more life experience. I was such a different person than I was in such a bad place. And like, I mean, won't Laura Lee just say the same thing? So I guess I don't I don't know. It's is the best case scenario of when somebody gets labeled to be, you know, something horrible that they change their mind. And if so, then is all forgiven or when we call people out to be these or accuse them of being these certain things, are we happier with them just like staying there? You know what I mean? It's almost like they, they, they got to stay there or we have to find a way to like educate, forgive and move on or else like what's the incentive to change? Does that make sense? I just I would hope of, if anything, the outcome is somebody really acknowledging and absorbing their mistakes and doing everything in their power to correct it. But yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing where it just, it happens a lot. And like some people, people just seem to let it roll off and some people, their careers are destroyed. And the bottom line is every public figure from here on out for the rest of time is screwed having their fleeting opinions immortalized by the internet. That's the bottom line. And, you know, don't be an a-hole and say horrible things about people. Like... (laughs) Uh, that's the problem is that fundamentally these things are disgusting like indefensible and the argument is like oh they're only sorry because they got caught but I actually think that they just forgot it was there and they don't and sometimes they probably genuinely don't think that way anymore and sometimes they probably do and it's really hard to tease out a sincere apology from a fake one and you don't want to give too much credit to somebody owning their mistake if they don't really mean that they've changed. But if you are under 18, I think it's one thing. If you're, I, I don't know, well, Laura Lee's, I think she's 29. And if this is in 2012, yeah, that's not that long ago. That's the problem. Is as an adult, unforgivable. But I think a lot of times now with the younger kids, like I'm glad I didn't have Twitter in my youth, not because I am any of those things, but because. I went to a public school where I was told the Civil War was called the War of Northern Aggression, which is not correct, but it presented to a young mind as fact. If I were to regurgitate that, can you really blame me until I know better? And that's why I talk about the calibration of uh, your upbringing with your experience and the importance of reassessing as an adult. And then that's what you do when you have the power to vote and the power to influence people, and you've had the ability to meet uh, people unlike yourself, what do you do when you have that sort of sample size to be more of a cross-section of 
the the people and the things you want to represent and be about. That's when I think your responsibility really comes into play. Lee, unfortunately, this was not that long ago. Um, so who knows what's going to happen? And I don't know, guys. I don't want to speak out of turn here. I know this is like a touchy subject. I just mean like, I, I, I think that there's just so much more to, more of this to come with the generation that has grown up uh, tweeting, Facebook, Instagramming, every fleeting thought they've had. The important part is that people getting called out for this will send a very strong message to young people. A, that thinking about people this way or talking about people this way is fundamentally disgusting and like absolutely not okay on any terms. And B, to be careful with how they use social media and because they're probably watching some of their idols' careers getting taken down and they don't understand it. Because I think that I really I think the YouTube uh, audience really skews under 25. Um, at least for, you know, well, I guess I was going to say McKenna, but probably not, sadly. For the the Cole and Sav, those two people that just um, pretended that they had a mandatory evacuation and then exploited the wildfires to uh, have a vlog about them leaving the house with their daughter. And they the whole vlog's like them uh, taking like a day trip to San Francisco. And then there's like really moody music as they drive back into like, their Southern California area and like they're showing the smoke and it's, it's just weird. And then the worst part is there's this thumbnail that like looks like Armageddon in the back. It's like this insane like fire thing. And then they all three are like photoshopped in front of the fire looking scared, including their daughter, which is like, did they tr- tell their daughter, honey, look as scared as possible. Pretend like you're going to be engulfed in a giant forest fire cheese. And I'm like, gosh, what's wrong with these people? They took down the video because the local LA news like knocked down their door and then knocked on their neighbor's doors and their neighbors were like, yeah, we're not in an evacuation zone. I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, ugh, I didn't mean for this to be like a, a, just a session where I complain about people on the internet, but I guess that's where we are today. So what are you going to do? I suppose I'll just lean in. Here's the thing. I don't ever want to come across as mean, but I am a critic and I am in their audience. And I do think uh, it's observationally, sociologically it's like so many things about this world are so fascinating and kind of worth talking about and i feel like it's this thing where a lot of us follow these figures and you know we kind of want to talk about them like they're celebrities and i think it feels meaner because you know some of the bloggers and stuff aren't necessarily celebrities but they kind of are just not in a traditional sense um like i've been doing a lot of uh hard-hitting research on rachel parcel of pink peonies home on instagram because she's building this giant house, giant house. And since I assume everything about like her builder and designer is all sponsored or some sort of collab, every single tile is being shared. And it's this thing where it's beautiful and it's aspirational and it's worth sharing and I understand it, but it also is incredibly... Uh, it lacks such self-awareness and her she speaks so earnestly from a place that is her world and her world is like extravagant unrelatable wealth and she only has two kids but for like for example in their playroom they're building a playhouse that is a replica of the actual house like full-on masonry they they're tuck pointing brick in for the playhouse that is two stories and has a slide that you come down on the side. I, 
the the tile in that playhouse probably costs more than my rent for an entire year. It it's it's truly wild. I think what's so hard too is like I I I love a home build. I really do. I I love looking at detail work. I love design. I love like interior decor, but when the stuff you show is lacks necessity to a point where it comes across as like a goop catalog, like a you know really expensive V steam or like a fourteen carat gold mortar and pestle, you're kind of like okay, this just feels stupid and tone deaf, and it's it's easy to mock, it's easy to hate, it's easy to be jealous of, and if you're sitting there thinking, ugh, stop talking about all these people on the internet, you're just jealous. You are absolutely right. 100%. They have amassed this level of fame and fortune from just being themselves and living their life. And I, I tip, tip of the fashion hat to you. In Rachel's most recent post, she was wearing a Baker Boy cap and asked us, you know, what are you thinking about this Baker Boy hat trend? And to that, I say, not a trend. Not, not a thing I'm thinking about. Not a thing I think anybody really has any business uh, trying out, if I'm being honest. But Nordstrom sponsored the posts and maybe they have a surplus of Baker hats. They, they got to get get pushing. But, you know, I, I she's very well-meaning and sweet and she seems like a great mother. And I honestly have nothing bad to say about like her personality or character. I am just talking about her choices of what she shares about her wealth on Instagram to her almost a million followers. Because, yes, it's not your responsibility to prevent us from feeling bad about ourselves. But to a degree, I think it's your responsibility to toe the fine line between sharing and bragging. And when your mudroom is not a room nor a nook or whatever, it's a mud hall. She has an entire hall of mud. And in that hall of mud, you have both a dog wash, which is a literal walk in shower with gorgeous, like shiny subway tiles. I mean, her dog has like a proper gorgeous walk-in stand-up steam shower (laughs) in the mud hall. And it's next to a drinking fountain, which is next to their butler's pantry, which I thought was like a pantry, but it's actually like a second kitchen for the service. So when you want to have people over and somebody else is cooking for them, they can't be bothered with with the mess of the kitchen. So the the help goes in, in, in preps in the other kitchen. Now, I understand having like a catering kitchen and stuff if you're like a venue, but just like a, a, a home for four. I don't know. And um, so that butler's pantry has this like gorgeous, really expensive teal tile. There's a couple interior designers that follow me on Instagram and they've been messaging me being like, oh, my God, one of those tiles is like $80. And it's like, you know, literally tiled like 100 square feet. Anyway, um. And uh, it's it's just been fascinating. I mean, she has a packet like a receiving room, like a, 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 a shipping and receiving room that her husband built as an alcove under the staircase only for all of the packages she gets, like the PR packages and promo items. I mean, that's insane. You get that many packages like I, I, I cannot even imagine. And like it's just that's and that's an example of something she probably should have kept to herself, because at that point she's being like. I'm so rich that I can have these and I have so much space that I have such I can have these niche rooms. But this this niche room happens to be for all the stuff she gets for free while being a super wealthy person, which is a little bit annoying. (laughs) Um, 
And then, you know, she has breakfast, like a breakfast nook. She's like, look at, the, look at this cozy nook. And it's like, a you know, 20 foot ceilings, two sets of French doors, like a gorgeous panoramic view of the Utah mountains. Like, like, it's not a nook. A nook, by definition, is a small space. And that like sort of lack of awareness of like this, this is not cozy, small. It's not a nook. It's not sweet. It's not like a little window seat. I'm not Dorothy Jane Torkelson, man on the moon. This is a huge ass room that's the size of my apartment where you're, I guess you'll eat breakfast. I don't know. It's just like, get out of Utah, girlfriend. Like, take a step back. See, see how the rest of the world lives. I bet a lot of your world is super wealthy, too. And that's great. And I'm happy for your success. But like, you got, you, influencers need balance. They really do. And I, I, I just think it's important for their success. And maybe a lot of people just double down on the hate watch, like the hate lurk. And, and hate's a strong word, but I mean, like, you know, you follow people that that annoy you, but you're not going to unfollow them because you got to be annoyed. You, you got to see how they're going to annoy you today. It's almost like fun. It's it's for me. It's kind of like anybody from The Bachelor. Um, I, I'm not like inspired by them. I'm just lurking. But uh, yeah, her, I mean, I'm just I cannot wait till she furnishes this house. I, I can't. I mean, ugh, it's it's going to be a real, real treat. And, uh, you know, I also look forward to her caveating how it's not done. And I mean, I, you know, it's so important that if, if you're ever building or renovating, you tell everybody on social media how frustrated you are with the deadlines and how badly you want to move in and how much it sucks to, you know, work, live in construction of your multi-million dollar home or renovation. Like, oh my God, nobody cares. If you have jet lag, nobody cares. Like these are not problems. Like you, 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 I'm sorry, the world doesn't literally revolve around you. And that you flew somewhere super fun for like a wedding or a vacation. And, I, you know, I, I had I endured a week of champagne cheersing boomerangs and salty hair don't care pics and, uh, you know, high waisted two pieces and super posy, but supposedly candid photos of your backside. Oh, my God, I am 80 years old backside. Um, I endured that. That was tough. But you having jet lag is not tough because you chose to go on vacation. And I am sorry that there are time zones. What do you want me to do? Please stop complaining about your home building and your jet lag. I think those are two things we all need to just like, you know, take a step back and think twice about un uh, true first world problems. So anyways, of course, I was I, I, my biggest thing with some bloggers, particularly a few of the Utah based bloggers, they do happen to be Mormon. I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but, you know, I'm fascinated by uh, a lot of the Mormon bloggers simply because they have a tendency to get married and have kids younger. So they're just like these gorgeous, very young moms that have so many kids under like 27, 25, whatever, and uh, just seem to have enormous wealth for their age. Um, and I was looking into Rachel and like, according to places like Reddit, Lord knows, I, I could not find anything about what like her husband's company, because she says her husband's her builder. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, if he's her builder and people like this, shouldn't people be able to like look him up so we can get more business? Tug. Sorry, there was a dire emergency where he could not properly dive into my home goods bag. And sniff all my stuff and just be further all up in my grill. I love him dearly. Um, yeah, so I was trying to figure out what they do. And they're apparently like her in-laws family is vaguely in real estate. And then 
I was like, you know, they 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 already have like a huge, gorgeous house. Like same with Amber Fillerup, actually. And I feel like every blogger all the time is trying to tell me they're building their forever home that they then like flip and sell within a year. And I'm like, that's so weird. And then I read this on Reddit, which, again, this is unfounded. I don't know if it's true. Pure speculation. I'm just sharing an opinion. But it reminds me of what I think like the Gorgas do on Real Housewives of New Jersey and stuff when people are involved in construction in that if you're in real estate development and you or you build homes and you can live in like the spec houses that the her husband's father and now her husband built, they can live in it for a couple of years, stage it, promote it, probably sell it pretty quickly and like get their, you know, business on the map. And then to take that further, if 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 like the dad or whatever builds the house, gives you the deed, you live in it mortgage free for a few years, paying property tax, and then you can sell it for profit and avoid capital gains tax, then you can move on like to the next spec home. So I'm not saying this is what they did, but I'm saying that's the sort of uh, logic behind if people live in these like really nice houses and move all the time and are involved in real estate you know, that could be kind of a loophole they're working with. Rachel, like, has denied that they do this, and I don't really think they do either, but uh, there is something, there's got to be something with being in the business of building and constantly building on your very public account. Like, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. But it is funny when they're always called a forever home. Um, As I mentioned, Amber Fillerup, the barefoot blonde, is also building a ginormous home that she updates us on, like, every day, and it's just, like, it's it, she seems like adult too honestly they're both really nice girls i can't speak to their character i'm just talking about their houses but um uh amber's brother-in-law is building her house and then like you know she'll do like an, a ton of stories on the windows being installed and i'm like i'm not really interested in the windows but lord knows i'm not gonna miss it and then you know of course the windows are she says are heavily discounted in exchange for a promotion and i'm like oh my god like the the your windows? I mean, truly, you can get anything at a discount. It's like wild. Even stuff that's kind of like feels more trade based. I don't know. Like the, not a lot of window companies have like booming Instagram accounts. I don't see a lot of piping handles out there. I I, I assume tile is only going to absolutely take off from here now that I know so much about tile from Rachel. But um, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's good times all around. In, in in the Utah mountains. Well, Amber might live in Arizona. Yeah, that actually actually does. Anyway, moral of the story: they are cute, have sweet families, here to have nice marriages, be all around sweet girls. Maybe share a little bit too much about their home building. That's all. I am just again concerned about the likability factor and the wear out that that goes into being an effective influencer. In uh, the Be There in Five Facebook group, we were talking about when uh, bloggers come into contact with like the law or they have really sad things happen or tragic things happen. And it's like weirdly public. And then they're trying to step back and be private. And one of those I've talked about in the podcast before with the freckled fox and how she um, had like a really sad story of having five kids under 25 and her husband died of skin cancer. And then she got married like less than a couple months later, which is kind of wild for somebody to take on five kids who has no kids and then gets pregnant with the new husband. The new husband accidentally shoots her in the 
living room, like cleaning his gun when the kids were home, like incredibly irresponsible and really poorly handled. And there was like a lot of other weird stuff where she was posting photos from her late husband's funeral and kind of like a framing it as sponsored content. And then the late husband's mother, like her ex, her mother-in-law um, w- was like commenting, like saying to take it down and that she had contacted her beforehand about like if she wanted it to be shared or not. Um, or I think that it was like the, the, the deleted now deleted post and comment was that she had already the mother-in-law said she had already called the girl several times to discuss posting the photos before publicly commenting, um, which like that's so weird. And then their dog died of like heat exhaustion and based on the time of year and the average temperatures and all this stuff, they're like this literally the only way that happens is if you leave your dog in a hot car. Like that's so there's all these weird controversies, yet their following doesn't go down. If anything, it goes up. And the weirdest case of this was this girl named Ashley Swenson. I know you guys know this story, but just to walk you through it, because this was about a year ago. Um, she was a smaller blogger, but her husband goes missing last July. And it was initially told to the public that he left Thursday afternoon for like an appointment in Salt Lake City and he might have a medical condition. So then they find his car or was it she, he was driving one somebody's car um, and they found it via GPS in a different part of town and told the public it was under suspicious circumstances. And it was suspicious because there was a bottle of alcohol and somebody like a, somebody else's backpack in the car with somebody else's clothing. And that wasn't his. And they didn't know who's it, who it was. So then there was like this huge, like so much media a huge Facebook page, a huge GoFundMe. And it was kind of this thing where like so many people got involved. They really encouraged, they they got their whole community in with the search. Like everyone in the country was so enamored with this. But then ultimately we we got very few um, details and there seemed to be an active effort to suppress information to an extent um, as like the public got more interested and like wanted answers, I guess. It's kind of hard because when the search effort is broad and you try to bring people into it, but then are, leave them out of the conclusion, even though it's your private information that you're hundred percent entitled to, people are going to talk and that's what kind of sucks. But, and the good part is if the public can help you is one thing, but anyway, so kind of like the, the weirdest parts of this whole story of him going missing under mysterious circumstances is that the month before she'd written this blog post called monsters are real and it's now still up, but it's very, very edited. Um, but it says, basically, it says, like, monsters are real. They live in the darkness and trials of our life. They're in the pain and sadness of not being able to get pregnant. They're in the gut wrench of a rocky marriage. They're in the lies and betrayal of your best friend and husband. They're the gossip you can't escape and the rejection that no one wants to tell you to talk about. It's awkwardly worded. Um I know my name has been in your mouth and I know what you must be thinking. I've thought the same thing, same things before. Why would she stay? She must not know. But guess what? You don't know what we have been through and you know what else you think, you know what you would do in a situation until those cards have been dealt to you. You think, you know, but you have no idea. You know, what's also real about monsters is that is that they aren't actually real. They only exist if we give them power and I'm taking back my power. So she writes this blog post and I'm, I got that off her website now, like it's still there, but apparently used to be way more incriminating. Basically, it sounds like she's saying something about 
with the line there and the lies and betrayal of your best friend and husband. So something with her best friend and husband. Um, so around that same time, the husband, Paul, deleted all of his social media. And then the day after. So, OK, then Paul goes missing and. It's just kind of this open missing persons case The within 24 hours of him going missing, she posts this video that's edited as if it's like a. Uh, made by a wedding videographer. I mean, it was this really like high quality professional video she puts on Facebook and Instagram. She was on full makeup, perfect hair and clothes. And she's talking about her missing husband. Like, who is she trying to impress? Like, it just was weird. It was like full glam and full, like, I don't know. Most people wouldn't have showered. Most people would have just been like absolutely besides themselves. And she, she and her mom are in this video, like, you know, trying to, sincerely talk about him missing and the video goes viral and her followers shoot up from 14,000 to like 35,000 and people are like this is just it's it, it it was weird it was weird it was weird that like it takes 24 hours to even report a person full-on missing but then to get a videographer involved and be like wait let me you know wand my hair for 40 minutes instead of be out there in the trenches with my community looking for my husband it just didn't make sense like you could have made a video sure but it didn't need to be so produced um, and then the GoFundMe, they, uh, I mean, it, it's it, to do that video and then to be like, give me money. Uh, I to not use their own money to find him. They already seem like a wealthy couple. I mean, they, they got like a, I mean, over 20, I think I want to say it's like $25,000 in donations that like nobody really knows what it went to. Um, and she just what I don't know, didn't seem to be like out there on the hunt like everybody else was and was kind of just like sitting back and doing all this Internet stuff. And anyway, he was ultimately found uh, his body was found in a river. He had um, uh, tested positive for alcohol and THC. And the cause of death to me isn't that it was, it was drowning, which I mean, I think, you know, alcohol can make you drown. I don't really think marijuana. I mean, marijuana, it's funny because like, I guess in a community that's extremely opposed to drugs, the trace of marijuana could be something they were like embarrassed about and wanted to suppress. But like marijuana is the least of this guy's problems. Um, but they also like, there's a lot of weird stories, like to guys that um, the like police officers spoke to said that Paul, the missing person had pulled up in a gas station where they were and told him he wanted to trade his car for their bike. So, like, did he eventually find somebody who would, was willing to take his car and that's whose clothes they were? He, apparently he was, like, acting really strange and people said he was, like, going, um, like, I think initially they said he was going to the doctor for stomach pain. Um, and, like, for a grown man to go on, like, a 30-minute drive to the doctor for a stomach ache, I don't know. I mean, does anybody else know men that just will never go to the doctor? Like, just avoid it like the plague? I, um, I, 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 I don't know. It's just, it was kind of like, oh, he had a tummy ache. So we went to the doctor. I mean, and also if you'd go to the doctor for a stomach ache, I'd probably go with my husband or like, I'd be worried it was like appendicitis or something like hard, really serious. But anyway, who am I to judge? But that was a little bit weird is like family or some people said he had been acting weird since December. There's just like not a lot of information that's public still about it. And I don't beyond him drowning. And um, 
I'm just dying to know what happened in those hours. And was it intentional? And was he like, uh, did he trip and fall in the river? Whenever people drown in a river, it always seems so weird to me. Like, how'd they get in there? Is it like, why, why are super drunk people walking so close to water? I used to watch that show Vanished with Beth Holloway until I lost access to the Ion channel through my now poor cable package. And there's a lot of cases of people being found in rivers and it's attributed to drowning. But like, couldn't somebody have dumped them there? When I guess maybe they would be able to figure that out. But there's a lot of people vanish like and then they find them in rivers or like they assume there's this one guy that was walking home from a bar in Chicago and like was spotted down the river walk and people just like they never found him but they assume he just like fell in but it's so it's so gated and there's bridges and like you'd have to actively try to fall in and if people say i mean it's just it's so it's wild so anyways just be always be on high alert around bodies of water and uh it's kind of like in 30 rock when uh alec ball when jack donaghy wanted to have that crisis um a telethon show they wanted to pre-film it for every crisis that could happen so they could get the ratings the second the crisis happened and so like jenna maroney was singing songs like and help the people that the thing that happened happened to (laughs) it was really funny it's like talking about tv is like it had to be their story who cares um anyways i that case always like really really fascinated me still does and you know i'm about well it's now tuesday i started recording this on monday then i hopped back in um and they're about to have molly Tibbetts press conference and apparently her body was found in my i mean I, my heart sank i was like i almost cried i i don't know why i get so involved with these things um i guess just because yeah like i said the other week i just feel like any whenever it's a situation where people are doing anything i could have just been normally doing and you know, minding my own business to think that that is possible. is just so it's gut wrenching. And, um, I'm not looking forward to this press conference. I really, really hoped, I really hoped she was alive. And I think a lot of tips suggested she was, and I'm just, oh God, I don't know, guys, I guess it's a kind of a bad note to end on. Um, but uh, what was this episode about internet people, uh, blogger crime, I, uh, pure moods, was this just every episode I end? I'm like, what was this? I'm dying. I I don't know if I have time to re-listen to it. And I just hope it's not terrible, but I appreciate you being here. I promise I'll stop talking about bloggers soon. I just, I'm just fascinated. What can I say? The, if you invite me in to your home virtually, I am going to take a seat and to overstay my welcome in terms of the amount of time I put into uh, thinking about where your money comes from and judging how you spend it. And that's just the way of the world these days. But alas, I hope I, I actually, I would, my ideal situation in life is to be widely known for my work, but not my, have my face not be known. Like, uh, that's why I think, um, you know, like some of the CEOs and writers and content creators that are like, I don't know, not the face have it made because they can do what they love, put out high quality work, but they're not like followed around or people are overthinking their interactions in a restaurant. Like I can get so passionate about the most innocuous topic that you could see my husband and I in a restaurant and, and I appear to be verbally accosting him and talking with my hands. But really, I'm just explaining that uh, I really, you know, think Carly and Taylor once dated. 
And he's like, I don't know if I believe you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's so much evidence. And really, there's nothing happening. We're having a grand old time. And also, you know, just my general, like, semi-bitchy, semi-looking lost or confused look paired with my lack of awareness of who's around me, my greasy hair. Uh, I go out a lot in my slippers and don't realize it. I, I value my anonymity. I really do. And uh, not that I ever have to worry about that, but I can imagine, you know, you, you probably don't even know what you're signing up for sometimes, you know? Um, and like, I was even looking at um, the, what's her name? Uh, Rachel Parcells, like co the comments from her house photos. And some lady was like, excited to have you in the third ward. And I'm like, you, you, you just said, told people where she lived and she didn't delete the comment. Very strange. Uh, but anyway, guys, I should head out. I'm going to play a song that is by Donna Lewis. Um, it is such a beautiful song. It's forgotten about far too often. And it includes none other than the Richard Marks, who so famously was on the seasons of The Bachelorette. I, who knows what his other accomplishments are, but surprising Becca with a singer she knew nothing about, but she had to pretend to be really psyched about was, you know, a true delight for me to watch. I, I love watching their excitement for a virtually unknown country artist that they then have to slow dance to on a platform in front of everybody while they French kiss in front of children. I, I really, really, that date is my true nightmare. Um, but Richard Marks is on this season. I feel like his, oh, I don't know if it's his most well-known song, but the song I know him for is Wherever You Go, Whatever You Do, I Will Be Right Here Waiting For You. Um, oh, speaking of uh, 80s rock stars, if you will, um, we were in an Uber this weekend, and our driver was like, do you guys know Pearl Jam? And we were like, yeah, of course. I, of course, mentioned, you know, my incredibly irrational fear of driving is almost wholly attributed to the song Last Kiss. I mean, I, 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 as a young person getting their license, I would could not forget the scream in tires, the bust in glass, the painful scream that I heard last. Oh, where, where can my baby be? I mean, that song is on par with the Verve, Verve pipe. Freshman. And I guess similarly to, you know, Whiskey Lullaby. Traveling Soldier, Concrete Angel, all those songs that I'm just like, who was bopping to this in the car? But anyway, the driver said, I just dropped off Eddie Vedder at Wrigley Field. And Greg was like, Pearl Jam's playing tonight at Wrigley Field. And he was like, what? And then we had this he had this realization. He was like, oh, my God, I just drove him to his show. Like, how funny is that? That Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam took an Uber to Wrigley Field to then play for thousands and thousands of people. Like, he is a major, major rock star. And something about that was really funny to me. Like, you're at home, you're pre-gaming a little, put on some clothes, get an Uber X, go play a sold-out stadium. Like, what? I just thought that was so cool. And so cool that we were the people he picked up next. It's like, two stars in one night. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so embarrassing. Um... But anyway, I felt pretty special. Okay, so Richard Marks, Diana Lewis, greatest duet of our time, almost as good as Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson's Beauty and the Beast, almost as good as Christina Aguilera and Ricky Martin's No No One, Nobody Wants to Be Lonely, almost as good as Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey's Take My Breath Away or um, 
where you are. Almost as good as uh, Method Man and Limp Bizkit's in together now. Certainly not as good as any of the Jay-Z and Linkin Park mashup. But good nonetheless in that Disney uh, magical sense that has that breathy vibe that I was going for at the beginning. I feel like I need to conclude with it. It is from Anastasia, the movie that is not my favorite, but I love this song. It is called Life is a Road. And you know what? It really is. I... I am at a, uh, one of those, like, highway loop-de-loops, I think, that sometimes you, like, get off the wrong turn, you're like, oh, wait, I've already done this, like, several times. Hmm, is there, like, an Arby's or a Wendy's around, or should I keep going? I kind of just want to eat and do nothing and stuff, but really, I need to keep going, or else it's going to get too late. Then I keep going, and then I get bored, and then, you know, I try a new route, I try to avoid traffic, try to, try to, go off the beaten path, not do what other people are doing, then it ends up making me slower. But sometimes it's faster, but only the, a very small percentage of the time is that road faster. So sometimes it's just easier to go with traffic and go against the grain. Sometimes I'm speeding up in the left lane. Sometimes I'm surpassing people. I'm crushing it. I'm really just, you know, making every light. And sometimes I am just, you know, jammed, can't see my way out, want to bang my head against the steering wheel filled with road rage that everyone else not cooperating and me not having the skills to get ahead. Life really is a road, and I want to keep going. And love is a river. I want to keep flowing. Wise words, Anastasia. So with that, as always, uh, if you want to support the Be There in Five podcast and donate a, just a small dollar and hear all of my journal entries, hear me pour out my heart and soul, hear all my fun uh, cutout content, go to patreon.com slash be there in five, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, please always message me, reach out, email. I am still working out the details. Uh, several of you had emailed me about advertising for my customers, and I'm so excited to start doing it. I just want to do it right. And I just really have trouble finding hours in the day sometimes. Um, I'll start on something, and I'm like, I want to think about this, but then I get back into it, and like eight hours has passed, and then uh, I, the, I guess the hard part for me is like, I w- like I wish I had some time to sit down and like think through more complicated, longer term projects. But like the nature of running a shop is like I have to physically get orders out like all the time. It takes up all my time. And I used to have other people do it. Then I kind of like reeled it in because managing people was taking too long and I didn't want my store scale to be as big. But then it just I don't know. I just give myself more work. Can, I am getting nowhere in life being so controlling and trying to be involved in everything. I need to learn to delegate. But that's a story for a different day. When I actually record my how, how I built this, I will tell you all of my uh, great accomplish it, accomplishments and downfalls of having taken my business through different sizes, through different levels of people being involved with it and all that stuff. So stay tuned. It'll need to be a week where I've gotten like a good email or think I've gotten my big break because otherwise I don't feel like that (laughs) inspired. You know how you almost just need like life is just a series of small wins instead of like one big accomplishment. You need a win now and then to start feeling yourself much like I was feeling myself walking into that beholden store thinking I'm feelings felt and then being told that my perception of my size is incredibly off being instructed to order something that will end up costing me i don't know the cost of one of rachel parcell's butler's tiles it all comes full circle life is a road actually to clarify this song is called at the beginning and as i've always said i think the beginning and the middle are really 
beautiful places to be that you'll look back on in retrospect as a really important time, even if you don't always know it at the time. And in reading my journals the past few weeks, I've been like, wow, it's it's so powerful to read your state of mind before you don't know where you're ultimately going to go. And it's important to not lose faith, whether we're at the beginning, middle, or the perceived end, because it's likely not the end. So as, as Anastasia puts it, I think it's Anastasia, I just like that better. <laughs> In the end, I want to be standing at the beginning with you. And I've always thought that was so beautiful. All right, I'll let you go. <laughs> as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear.